Welcome to the Doing It Scared podcast with your host, Leah Coltis. So the biggest lesson I've learned when it comes to fear, the very thing that you're afraid of and avoiding is the thing that's going to change your life. It's the thing that's going to make you successful, whether it's getting up on that stage, having that hard conversation, or maybe it's taking the first step in creating a better life for yourself. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. So stop thinking about what you're going to do and just take that first step and do it scared. All right. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back to the Doing It Scared podcast with your host, Leah Coltis. And today's interview day. I have a special guest today. (laughs) I'm so excited for the guest. So I have the one, the only Kellyanne Evans with us today. Welcome, Kelly. Hello, hello! I'm delighted to be here. It's Friday. It's a great day for some uh, for some good, good, happy vibes. Oh man, it is actually, especially since we had that like uh, rain, freezing rainstorm last night. So to see a little bit of sunshine today is actually uh, it's quite refreshing. Um, so my dear, I mean, I would like to for the people that don't know you. I mean, I'd love to just kind of give a little introduction of who you are and what you do um, in this beautiful city of ours. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been kicking around here most of my life. Um, I have a classical music degree. I went to Mun and then I did musical theater at Sheridan. I've spent most of my career as a performing artist and an entertainer, um, you know, as a singer, an actor, uh, you know, mover shaker. Uh, recently, I've gotten into a little more of the arranging side of the music world. And I'm also a music arts educator. So I've spent a lot of time teaching, conducting choirs. So, you know, kind of a lot of irons in the fire in the world of performing arts and music arts education. Yeah. And I mean, your most recent project uh, that I had the uh, honor of checking out, which was your Queen uh, tribute show at the Arts and Culture Center, this four night extravaganza. I mean, I just want to say, first of all, so this is called the Doing It Scared podcast. And it's interesting because we had agreed to have you on this podcast before I went to that show. And I've seen you perform many times, but watching you at the Queen tribute in particular, I was very honed in on you because I was like, oh my God, she says she gets anxiety. Like I need to really watch carefully (laughs) and just really see her, you know? And, And every time I watch you perform, it's like this, you embody so much strength and so much um, passion in the way that you um, perform. Your your voice is like unwavering. Your body is in it. You're always just this like, ah, strong powerhouse woman who every time I see you perform, I'm like, oh my God. Like, and so, you know, I'm sure for a lot of people, even for myself, even though I know logically we all have fear and we all, we all have our moments, right? But I think for a lot of people out there, especially ones that know you here locally, would think she gets scared. <laughs> really? So I do. Yeah, I mean, I and that's why we're here. So I would really love to just talk a little bit about that. Um, in particular, for big shows like that that you are you are now embarking on and have been for many years, um, what's sort of your process leading up to those shows with dealing with any type of anxiety that you're feeling? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I mean, there's a lot of fear that comes with it. And 
I think over my fear has like shifted and changed over the course of my career. I had fear in different, you know, different worlds and different arenas when I was younger. And then as you become more professional in your career, you kind of kind of find ways to compartmentalize that fear, find ways to process and deal with that fear. I mean, it never completely goes away, but for me as a, as a performer, I think that you have to accept that there's things that you can control and there's things that you can't control. Mm -hmm. So the very first thing I do in my process is look at, okay, what are the things that I can control? And one of the biggest conquerors of fear for me is preparedness. Mm. Like step back, you know, months out from the project, I am so anally retentively organized and, you know, and I don't say this from any arrogant point, but at, I like to be the most prepared person in the room. So, you know, and that is when you're doing a show like Queen or something like that, you know, it's like having your set list done, you know, way in advance. And um, things like, you know, warming up regularly get because it's like a, you know, if you're going to run a 5k or a 10k, whatever um, road race, and you haven't run in a while, you're not just going to get up and just go run it because you're going to wreck your body. So in preparation for a big show like this, especially coming off a year last year, where I was very much in a conducting and arranging world. I knew that the physical side of things were really important. So, you know, getting, doing my vocal warmups, taking care of my body, taking my vitamins, being aware of where I'm going, that to not get colds and not get flus and all that kind of stuff. Um, And then just listening to the music over and over and over again for forms and arrangements and singing it into my voice and making sure that I was really prepared and that the words were all in. I mean, there's a lot of words when you're looking at 22 (laughs) tunes, you know. And Queen, Um, oh my God. I mean, yes, lots of lyrics. Yeah. So that was one of the biggest things, Leah, in like in the fair, because if you... I find that's a great way to control some of the anxiety is, 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 is just being super, super prepared. And it's interesting. And I don't know if you've experienced this, but you know, there's people who think, oh, well, you know, if you learn it to death and, you know, you go in over-prepared, you're going to take any sort of organic and any magic and any authenticity out of it. Um, But I really don't agree with that because I think for me personally, When I am super prepared and I am not in my brain going, oh my God, what is the next verse? Or, oh my God, are there four bars here or are there six bars here? I can hone in to such a beautiful place and make things way more musical and way more grounded and be so much more open to joy and being free when I am super prepared. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense, especially when it comes to a performance Cause I, you know, I've, I've sang and, and played guitar and stuff on stages, but you know, not quite in the capacity that you have, but I do completely understand that of the preparedness because once I get up there, anything can happen. My body can freeze. My, my throat can feel like it's going to close over. If I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack, like right before, at least if I know everything, (laughs) I don't have to be up here thinking about it. I can just be focusing on calming my body in that moment and just being present with that and knowing that it's only going to take me a song or two before, you know, I really can get into that space of like, ah, yes, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because arguably like performing 
is an art that is like made at the time it's consumed. Mm. So that is something that makes it scary, I think, in a really unique way than, say, an artist who is writing a book or is doing a painting because you get takes backsies when you're writing a book or you're <laughs> or you're doing a painting or something because you can sit with it. But live performance is like that is exactly what it is. Like it is real and it is happening at the time that yeah. it's being consumed by an audience and performed by a, a performer. So I think one of the one another interesting thing as and it's taken me years to get to the point is to be able to like relinquish the need to be able to control and predict the outcome of it. And that's so hard. (laughs) And I think that's the part for me where I've gotten my stage fright big time because it's like, I know I have talent. I know I can play guitar. I know I can sing. I know these things. But when I'm up on that stage, I can't control how my body's going to react. Um, You know what I mean? So it's like, that's the part. And, And the way fear manifests itself manifests itself for me is sometimes I can forget lyrics or I can't, you know, so it's like, oh my God, all of a sudden a song I've sang for like 20 years, lyrics are gone. And I'm just standing there on stage being like, (laughs) and you know, and so it's trying to play that off. Like it's no big thing and laugh at yourself. And you know, I, I am the type that can do that, but it's, it's, it's challenging then to not let that be the thing that slips you up for the rest of the night. Um, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that's, I've gotten, I get into the practice of instant forgiveness because you're right. Once something like that happens, like there was a time in my career where four songs later in the show, I'd be singing a song and my brain would be going, Oh my God. Oh my God. You like, you messed that, that song up four songs ago. And then that just creates a whole train wreck, you know, for you. So learning to instantly forgive yourself is amazing. I mean, think about it for a second. If you get up with your guitar and you play and you do a set, so, or you do two sets or three sets and you play say 25 songs, how many lyrics are you executing and and singing notes and playing chords? Like there are so many things that your brain and your body are doing that if you execute 92% of those, like that is insanely successful. But yeah. we tend to put on put so much pressure on ourselves. So as I've gotten older and going into a process, especially like this queen one, like I said, relinquishing the need to control the outcome um, because this is very much in a moment, um, it has really allowed me to, ha- to kind of help my, my anxiety because there are so many unknowns. I mean, especially as a performer and a singer, your body, like, you know, where I am in my cycle, how I'm, how I'm feeling, what my day was like, how much sleep I got the night before. Um, what are the mood? If you walk into a rehearsal and you've got somebody in your band or somebody on stage who's had a really crappy day and their mood is really awful, or you make a mistake or you walk somewhere and the light, the light's not in the right. Like there is just so So many many things, right? And it makes being a perfectionist really hard. (laughs) Because for a lot of my life, and I mean, I still definitely have perfectionist tendencies, but I feel like I have turned the corner on now finding joy and excitement in the unknown. Yay. And it took me a long time to get there, but there's a vibration in your body that happens when you are prepared. Mm. 
but you don't know what's going to happen. And that's one of the things that I've come to love as a, as a performer, um, you know, as my career has kind of progressed, you know, because really at the end of the day, whatever happens up there, like I am safe and I'm not my work. Yeah. And, you know, and the people that are coming to see you, and I think we've talked about this before personally, um, the people that are coming to see you are there to support you and are there to love on you and to be there. And and I do find, yes, I know we're, we're in an age now where social media is awful and people can say really nasty things. Um, but I think for the most part, you know, people that are coming to watch you perform in particular are rooting for you and they want to see you succeed. And so, you know, they're looking at you with love in their eyes. So even if you have that moment and most times they don't notice the moment that you have where you made that small mistake in your mind, you're like freaking the fuck out. And, (laughs) but to them, they're just like, we love it. It was amazing. (laughs) They really, they really do not care. They really do not care. And I think you're right. And that's one of my kind of my, you know, my mantras or whatever, as a, as a music arts educator, when you have kids that are going into auditions or kids that are going on a stage and they're dealing with little stage fright Mm -hmm. and, you know, which can be a big, scary monster for kids. Um, And I always say, you know, that audition panel and the audience, they want you to do good. They want you to succeed. They are rooting for you so hard. Yeah. You know, they really, really are. And it's it's interesting because our ego, like learning to learning to check the ego too. Like when you're when you do a big show or like a big performance, um, I remind myself that you know, people aren't people aren't necessarily people, it isn't all about me. People aren't there just just for that. Like I am there for them. Mm -hmm. I am there to provide a service for them. And I'm also there for me because the intrinsic joy that I get out of doing what I do, it's like, I I don't even know how to describe the joy. Like it is a part of my fabric as a human being. Mm -hmm. So, you know, becoming a little bit selfless about it um, can be very grounding in that, you know, it's not, it's not about, it's not about that. It's, it's, you know, I am there to, I find confidence in my ability in what I'm doing and in my knowledge. And that is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. So when you remind yourself of that, like that is why you're up there. And if you get up there and you like forget words, nobody is going to remember, oh my God, the third phrase in verse two of don't stop me now, she blanked for five words. Yeah. And if they do, like they can suck it. Really? You know what's interesting is that when Alanis Morissette came here to perform and I went to, I guess it was night number one or whatever, whatever the first show that sold out, um, she opened up with the first song on Jagged Little Pill. And I don't know if anyone else noticed. I know I noticed because I knew every word of that song. And as I started to sing along, she forgot some lyrics. And I was like, oh my God, Alanis Morissette forgot some lyrics. And it was just a couple little things that I noticed, but I watched her and she was just, you know, and of course she's a professional. So she was walking around on that stage and she just went on to the next thing. And before you knew it, she was right back where she left off. And I just had this moment of like grace and just a moment of appreciation and love for her. Cause I was like, damn, you know, she's successful. She's seasoned. She's been doing this 
her whole life, essentially. And look, she forgets lyrics. She's human. She, she is human. <laughs> I know. And look, from it's funny, Alanis Morissette. I'm going to go again from one 90s girl to another because yeah. I know the 90s. I saw Lilith Fair years ago and I had watched a documentary on Chantal Karyachuk who performed. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this documentary was about her paralyzing stage fear. And I was like, whoa, oh my God. Mm -hmm. You know? So I went to Lilith Fair and she played Wayne, you know, Wayne, great jam. So she finished the tune and then she started talking about the next tune she was going to play. And she started playing Wayne again. (gasps) And she was just like, she got like 16 bars and she looked at the audience. She was like, I just played that, didn't I? <laughs> it was literally like, I was like, that is amazing. And people love you even more in those beautiful moments of vulnerability and of facing fear. And, yeah. you know, it's sometimes those moments that make things so memorable for people. Like, yeah. I just thought that was amazing. And when I when I went to Toronto to do We Will Rock You, I, I did this uh, kind of fundraiser event and Louise Petra was performing. And Louise is a, you know, she's a staple in Canadian musical theater. And she walked out on stage and I'm, um, you know, as a piano player, I, I can sing in front of however many people. But if I have to play piano, oh my God, my hands shake. I get the sweats. I get, I get really, really fearful. And I remember watching her and she walked out on stage and she sat down at the piano and she said, you know, I'm really not the best piano player. She's like, I'm very mediocre average. And most of the people here are just way better than me. But I'm going to play for myself tonight because every time I do this, I face a fear and I get stronger and I get better. And it, it I have carried it with me my whole life because I truly think that every time we face a fear, something really good comes out of it. Oh man, I just feel that so hard because it's like you saying that, like, I'm going to play for myself tonight. I can almost get emotional actually. The very thought of that, because it's like, that's what you're doing it for. You're doing it. Yes. You're performing for other people. You're there to give them entertainment and to provide a service for them and to enlighten them and to lift them up and all the things, but you're also there to do it for yourself. And like you said, to, to come away from that feeling, that moment of, I just fucking did that. Yeah. No, it's like, I just did that despite my fear because there's so many of us and I've done it before where I've been like, I'm not going to do that today. I I just can't, I I can't do it. And I give into that fear and I've walked away. Um, And you know what? You will always regret it. That, that will always take you through a moment of regret. But the moment that you step forward, despite feeling that uncontrollable fear and then you come out the other side. Wow. That is a feeling that you cannot, you can't bottle that. You just, you, you, like, you can't even describe it because it's yeah. so personal to you. Um, so I love that. I love that you said that. And I just want to, so I know we've talked a lot about where you are now in your performance and different things that you're doing, but I would love to go back to like little baby Kellyanne and like at what point, <laughs> at what point did you start singing and performing? Well, when I was, it's a funny little story. When I was four years old, I went to nursery school. Um, I went to this like woman, ironically, her name was Miss Downer, but she was the most lovely, happiest woman. I have such beautiful memories of her ever, you know, in the basement of her house. And there was like 10 of us or whatever. And I was four and she asked me to sing away in a manger um, at the little Christmas pageant, the nursery school pageant. And uh, I did. And she called my mom and she said, 
she just saw something in me musically um, that she encouraged my parents to kind of hone in on. And I started taking piano lessons when I was seven and I didn't actually start voice lessons till a little bit later, but I fell in love with music at a very, very young age. Um, I was also a competitive gymnast growing up. Um, I started that when I was seven and I went uh, right up until I was 15, actually, as a competitive gymnast. Um, but, you know, our bodies grow. I had a bunch of injuries, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I retired from that. But it's interesting that a lot of my stuff as a kid was um, very much kind of being in competition with myself. Um, from a very young age, uh, I faced a lot of fears, a lot of performing anxiety as a kid. And, uh, you know, gymnastics was a whole different fear. Uh, a lot of the fear for me in gymnastics wasn't about doing well or succeeding, but it was keeping my body safe. Mm. I was competing at a very high level. So learning to really focus and really concentrate at a young age, um, I think was something that has kind of served me throughout my life, um, you know, and my parents, my parents were always so incredibly supportive of me as a kid and they were never, ever stage parents, like never, wow. you know, you see parents, you know, who are just put so much pressure on kids and my parents never did it. I remember singing a classical concert group once and I literally got up and made up an entire thing in German. And because my mom had heard me <laughs> practice it so many times, I came down and sat down and mom goes, well, now, how'd that go? <laughs> and we laughed it off and went and had ice cream. Like my parents, my parents never, ever put pressure on me. And I'm very grateful for that. They're, they always made me feel safe and they always made me feel really brave. There was a bravery that, um, that I think the way my parents treated and supported my passions as a child um, you know, gave me a little bit of, of, of gusto in order to take some of the risks that I've taken. Right. I'm, I'm very grateful for that, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you know, was there ever a point when you were a child where you were like, yeah, no, like, I, I don't know if I can do this. Or were you always kind of like, you know, with baby steps and through performing in groups and choirs and different things like that. And obviously through performing, uh, in gymnastics that, that really created the the confidence in you to be like, yeah, you know what, this is, I'm good at this. And I, I want to, I want to pursue this further. Well, you know, it's one of those things that when you're a kid, you know, when you're, it's funny when you're a kid, you know, and you're doing something like that, the, you know, your parents always tell you you're good, you yeah. know, <laughs> because that's their love language, you know? Um, but it wasn't until I got a little bit, a little bit older that I was like, oh, you know, you know, I think, I think I am good at this, but it's really funny because the piano, my mom used to have a, an alarm, like a timer, an old school clock on the top of the piano. And she used to make me practice for 30 minutes and I would cry. I would slam my hands on the piano. Like I just really didn't want to do it. And my mother it's funny. I just ended up talking about how my mom's not a stage mom, but <laughs> no. she made the choice yeah. to make me stick with it until she felt I was able to choose whether I wanted to do it for the right reason. Mm. So like I, and it was fairly early on. I think I went to junior high. I was like grade seven or something. And my mom's like, yeah, no, no more clock and no pressure. If you don't, if you don't want to do the same where you don't have to. And I was like, I can't imagine my life not doing it. Wow. 
And it was such a great gift, right? But the moment that she went, yeah, you don't have to do this. It's almost like a little fire lit in me even more because all, all of a sudden my kind of my spirit was was really filled with and my heart with like, oh, I really am. I really am doing this for me, you mm -hmm. know? And, uh, and that, that kind of was, uh, that was a cool moment, you know, did you do any more performances like prior to you going to Munn school of music? Were you performing a lot like in high school, um, publicly and solely, or were you just, you know, doing choirs and, uh, different things like that? Well, I did my first, God, I think I was maybe, I, my very first show ever, I was, nine, I think turning 10. And it was, um, there was an opera at Mun, and I got cast as a boy as ham in Noah's flood as Noah's son. <laughs> and yeah. And that was the coolest thing ever. And, and I mean, directed by, uh, DF cook, which was amazing. Cause he was the head of the music school at the time. Um, I started, I did a few musicals when I was a child, um, which I really loved. I didn't do a whole lot of music in high school because my high school really wasn't music focused and I really didn't love the music program there. And I was a huge jock. Like once I retired from gymnastics, I played basketball and soccer at the provincial level. So I was a, I, I was doing sports a ton mm -hmm. and I went, I can't be a professional female soccer player in Canada. Um, but it was always a no brainer for me that I would, I would pursue music school. And then things just came from that. I was, I started my own band when I went to music school mm -hmm. and I remember going into my classical teacher and saying, Dr. Hart, because she was pushing me to do COC, which is Canadian Opera Company. Because at one point I was colored chair soprano, which is all that high, light, runny kind of stuff. And I was like, I went into her and I said, I need you to know that the highlight of my musical life is getting up in a smoky bar. Because at that time you could smoke in the bar. Yes. And belting out Heart and Pat Benatar. I said, I want you to treat me as a performance major. Uh, but I just, I'm here because I want to learn how to use my voice without destroying it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then my kind of love for musical theater and rock and roll took over and, you know, set me on the path that I've, I've been on. And so did you ever at any point have like imposter syndrome where you're like, I can't do this. Like, this is just, I can't do this. And, and like, have to talk yourself through, each experience that you went through, because I know you mentioned to me as well in private, like in our personal chats, uh, you know, you being in Toronto and auditioning for things and auditioning for things like Canadian Idol. And, and you know, so that either, there's been points where you've auditioned for, for quite a lot of, of stuff. And so were you always just someone that really believed in yourself or did you have to really talk yourself through each and every experience? Uh, I definitely think there were moments where I had severe imposter syndrome um but i did have a lot of belief in myself and in being my authentic self i i remember i did an audition for stratford after i did we will rock you and it was for uh cabaret and i walked into the room in these like blue rip off adidas pants and this like salmon color tank top and there was a room of 30 women in black bodysuits fishnets and heels and i was like oh my god what am i doing here <laughs> like what am i doing here and they were doing this like dance thing 
And in the middle of this choreography, I mean, I'm a mover, I'm a mover shaker. I'm not a trained dancer. Um, I can fake it really well because I just throw my passion into the world. However, you know, going to Stratford is one thing. Yeah. Um, so in the middle of this, they're like, there's these 16 bars, everybody improv. So like, we'll just, we're just gonna, you know, we'll just put it on once and show you what's happening. And in the room in that moment, I was going, oh my God, oh my God. And I could see all these girls next to me doing like getting their tricks and their jumps and their leaps and their splits and all this stuff. So they put the music on and it comes to these 16 bars. I'm in the middle of the room with this, like looking like an alien. <laughs> and all of a sudden the room erupts with 30 girls doing fuetes and jumps and leaps and splits. And I stood up in the middle of the room and pretended to smoke a cigarette for 16 bars I did not move and <laughs> and it's very and I went oh my god I took a split second to go I'm not an imposter I can make an artistic choice here in this moment what is my strength what is my strength I'm gonna do this wow and it's funny I got cast and the director said to me after I said, I didn't know what I was going to do in that moment. She said, do you want to know something in that moment? That's when I knew that I had to have you as part of my company, oh my you know? God. So it's, it's not, we live in a world, I think too, like, you know, TikTok and the internet, we haven't even talked about that mm -hmm. where everyone is trying to be somebody else and trying to look like somebody else and trying to sound like somebody else. And you know, when you look at it, you're like, yeah, okay. You know, all my, all the kids come in singing and they want to like sound like Adele and they want to, and why wouldn't you? Because they're successful, you know? And, and a lot of the fear I had too, especially as a younger artist was, is my authentic self enough? Mm. And the fear of being rejected for it. But I made a couple of choices early on that allowed me to sit in that space that really, you know, kind of paid off. And I, and I think it's important to, to listen, to listen to yourself and not be afraid to just really kind of, you know, find that authenticity and, and take a moment and slow down the thought process to go, you know, what are my strengths? What, what, where is my love? Where's my passion? How do I express it? I love that. I, I mean, I, I can, visualize those 16 bars and you standing there pretending to smoke a cigarette. I mean, that those 16 bars must've felt really long. <laughs> Did they? It felt like 10 minutes. <laughs> because if that was me, I'd be like, oh my fucking God, what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah. And now all of a sudden, like, how did you sit in your body in that moment? I mean, and how old were you? I, at that point I was 29. Okay. I was 29 at that point. So, you know, I had been around and done and done some things, but I mean, breathing and stillness, finding, finding stillness amongst the chaos is a constant in my life that I'm always trying to you know, trying to, to look at and address and assess, I suppose, because in a, in a performing, performing world, um, you know, there's a lot of ebb and flow and there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs and there's not a whole lot of balance. It's very, it's all or nothing. And that can be really hard, but just, you know, slowing down the process, slowing down the process is, uh, yeah. is, is a part of it. And, you know, finding the calm and the chaos and the room erupted around me. And I was just like, just breathe, just, just stand here and just, just be you, just be you. Cause I can't do that. I, I can't do what she's doing. I can't do what she's doing either. 
Yeah. But, you know, I tell that story to my students a lot too, you know, um, you know, in those moments, you know, and I, again, too, like, it's funny, and this is maybe going off in another direction. We talk about fear and how fear evolves as we progress through our career and it changes and it shifts. One of my greatest fears going on stage these days, yeah. and I mean, it's attached to a whole bunch of other things, is I don't like not having control in the internet age of what images go out on the internet of myself. Oh. Like that's a, that's a fear. And I mean, we all know too, and I'm not going to beat myself up over self image. Um, but we all know that even, even the most, the people that we look at and go, oh, they're really fit or they're really thin or they're societally very beautiful because beauty is it's everywhere and it's everything. Yeah. But we all know that the most amazing people can just take the worst pictures. Who are we kidding? Yeah, I know. You know? So the moment we get tagged in something, it's like, oh no. And you got to review the tag. It's like, oh God, what's going to look like? <laughs> I love the days. I love having a childhood that was not documented. Yeah. And like, you know, you go to a show and, and, you know, after, and there's a million and people do it for love and support. But yeah. at the same time, oh, that's one of my things that I fear is I just, I don't like not having control over, over what goes out. But I mean, you know, that's, that's just one silly thing and a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, it's a real well, thing it's, in the world we're in now. Yeah. It's, it, it's not silly because I think it's very, very much a real reason why a lot of people don't show up. You know, I think that's a, it's a whole other layer now. It's a whole other reality of knowing that your picture is going to get taken or a video is going to get taken, especially if you're a performer, that someone's going to have their phone out and they're going to take a little a sneak clip of you. And we're, it's all fine and well. I'm guilty of it, too. I've done it many times. But it's like, you know, when like perfect example, Proxing Day recently that we were both a part of and I knew there was video cameras everywhere and there was people with their phones and, they, you know. And I mean, that was a real thing for me. I, I was seeing people posting uh, clips of me in their stories and I was cringing the whole time watching it. And meanwhile, I was loving everybody else's stuff. And this is the thing, right? We get to this point where we, we can't look at our own selves and not critique the shit out of it, but we can appreciate and enjoy the beauty of everybody else. And so it's like, how have we gotten there? And I know I'm not alone. We all think that, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's really tough and it's a huge piece of why people don't show up. Yeah, no, and you're right. And I, I historically through my career, like a lot of times, you know, when shows do DVDs or, you know, whatever, and you get to take home a little souvenir, I never watch that stuff. I never. And the reason why I don't is because now it can be an exceptional learning tool for certain things. If there's something in particular I want to research or look at, or, you know, I, I will, I can do, I can source certain things, but I will never sit down and watch a show in its entirety that I did, or, you know, because if I in my heart and soul feel that in a moment of live performance and I come off the stage and I feel so wonderful and so great about it, I want to protect that. Yeah. I want to protect that at all costs. And <laughs> It's amazing how we'll sometimes when we see each other and sometimes it's just a really bad camera or a really bad angle or, or whatever. I just yeah. don't want anything to tarnish, you know, to, 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 to tarnish that, but you're right. These days people watch with their phones and yeah. I, I really, I really struggle. I really struggle with it. 
It's tough. And I know even for me personally, when I was first starting my yoga business and I was doing it through the pandemic. And so I was teaching virtually and that was sort of the, uh, you know, and I remember, you know, uh, taking coaching courses and then being like, you have to watch yourself uh, in order to, like you said, to critique and to learn and to see if you're projecting and if people can like see how you're communicating and all the things. And I remember <sighs> taking a night where I was like, okay, I'm going to watch a few of my classes now. And well, I'll be honest, I mean, I cried, I watched, and then I ended up eating myself into oblivion after it was over because I felt so shitty about myself. And I remember just being like, this is how I look? This is how I sound? I'm, I'm, I just, and I had so much, um, had no grace, no grace for myself in that moment where I was just ripping myself to shreds. And it was really just a moment. I look back on that now and I actually have so much compassion for that version of myself, even though it was only four years ago. Um, it really just, it was a lesson for me in that moment that this is not where I need to be. I can project, I'm communicating okay, I'm going to ask my students for feedback, and I'm going to trust that they're going to tell me if, if, you know, if they can't hear me clearly. Um, yeah. But right now, for my own mental health, <laughs> yeah. I cannot put myself through that because I would have just quit, and I almost did. I remember that night being like, I'm, I'm never doing this again. Like, it's, yeah. it's just, you know, and I had talked myself out of that. It took me a few days. I went into a deep depression, and it just, it took me a few days to really climb out of that one and show up to the next class and be like, you're okay, Leah. You're beautiful. You deserve to be here, you know all the things and mm -hmm. it's like you just you have to to pick yourself up and understand that the stuff that you see the images like you said are and sometimes they're not real because it's like you said the angles it's the shape of the lens whatever it is you know and so sometimes we just we just have a distorted kind of image of ourselves, you know anyways and that you know, yeah. it's interesting that that's, that's a whole other podcast, but also yeah. too, growing up as women. And I think we talked about it a little bit too, like growing up as women in the nineties, going into two thousands, you know, when you look at celebrities and you, and you look at women as well, um, you know, at that time, but I, a practice I do in those moments is really, I get back to, okay, I can look at this and I might, I might want to cry at how it looks, but if I shut that off and I go back to that moment and think about how did I feel in that moment when I was doing that yeah. nine times out of 10, it is absolute joy. So then comes the practice of kindness and compassion towards yourself. And I'm glad that you found that because it's not, it's not always, it's not always easy. It's hard but so I'm telling you, it's, uh, it's, it's worth it, you know, it is. And, th and that's the thing you just made a great point. And I think this is a great point for listeners as well. It's like, if you are, if you have those moments, um, you know, and sometimes performance isn't for everybody, like whatever it is that you're diving into, you learn by doing it, whether or not it's something you want to continue doing, but understand that the fear is most likely always going to be present. It is going to shift and change and evolve with time. Um, and you know, the, how you view yourself is going to shift and change with time. But the more that you show up for yourself, it will get easier. Um, but it's in the moments where, like you said, how did it make you feel in the moment? And as if, yeah. if, you know, once you got over the nerves, if you felt empowered, if you felt, Oh, like, you know, in your soul, you just know it, you feel it in your bones. You're like, this is meant for me. And so if you can hang on to that, and those are the moments that you need to like, whether you need to meditate on it, whether you need to, you know, visualize that, if that's something, if that's a practice you need to have, 
Um, because I do find for myself, I, that's what I do. I, I tend to come back to my body, close my eyes, take a breath, remember why I'm doing this, how it makes me feel, Ugh. you know? And that's the thing, right? And it's like, okay, I'm doing this for a reason, not, not <laughs> to feel this yeah. fear right now because this fear sucks. Uh, but getting past that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I also think even another added layer of what comes from doing that, like after the fact, you know? We talked about imposter syndrome earlier. I just, last year I spent, well, I spent a year and a half, almost two years. Um, I was asked to arrange a musical um, for the company that I'm working for now. And I'd never arranged a musical before. And I had done some charting and some kind of small stuff and some choral stuff and all this. And I was like, oh my God. Uh, well, yes, I'll do it because I'm constantly trying to force myself to grow. Um, but imposter syndrome, I spent the whole first part of the project going, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do this. Why am I being asked to do this? I've never done this before. Right. And then you just have to remind, hone in. Okay. This is my skill set. This, this is why, this is why somebody's asked me. There's people that believe in me. I need to believe in myself. And in doing this project, in doing this project, it has changed the trajectory of my life. In facing one of my greatest fears, you know, of not executing something really well, um, I I now am going down a road of doing more arranging, and 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 I went. It, it took me it took me six to eight months into this project, but I went. Oh my god, I, I've let go of the fear. Mm. I've realized I'm actually pretty good at this. And most importantly, I'm having such a great time doing this. Yeah. This is a whole new world. And I think it's so easy in life for things to become stagnant for us. And that's like, no matter what job you're in, yeah. whether you work at a bank or whether you're in the performing arts or, you know, whatever. And I, I constantly in the beginning of every year, take a second and I go, okay, what am I going to try this year? That's scary but that I've never done before. Yeah. And I think it's a really good practice. And sometimes, you know, like I, sometimes you fail miserably and you can just laugh at it because the stakes are not high, Yeah, because, you know, because it's just, just trying something. And there's other times that you can do something and face it. And like, in, and even if you come out of it and you, and you, you don't succeed, you've done it. And that's a good thing. You went, I tried it. It doesn't work, yeah. you know, for me. Yeah. But then you have moments where you do things and you're like, oh my gosh, this has opened up a part of me. Um, you know, this has given me confidence in a whole other arena. Yeah. Uh, this, this, There's a road where I can pursue this on a different level than I thought I could. And I mean, that's just giving yourself an abundance of gifts. Like really this is. year is so hard, but the gifts and the joy that we can get from it, I keep reminding myself trump everything. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, and it's a good point because it's like, I always say this, it's like, you always have a mountain to face, right? And then once you climb that mountain, you get to the other side, there's always another one. So it's well, like another one, another one to face, right? So it's like, we think that once we face this fear, okay, we're done now. Oh my God, this is it. And it's like, no, there's always going to be something on the other side, whether it's an emotional thing, maybe it's a personal thing. Maybe it's a conversation that you have to have with a loved one or whatever, because obviously fear manifests itself in, in multitude of ways. But I think that's a great point. Like you getting presented with this offer in work to do something completely out of your comfort zone that you've never done before. Um, and 
give you, you know, you could have easily been like, you know what, I'm not qualified or I actually don't think I can do that. Um, so moving on and, yeah. you know, and, but the fact that you were like, you know what, I've got, and the thing is, is that we, we do that to ourselves, right? But then you don't look at the 20, whatever years of experience that you have in doing all kinds of things and you're like, I can figure this out. I can figure this out. And you know what? I'll ask questions along the way and whatever happens, happens. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I also think uh, like abandoning any sort of ego, like use your resources, use support, use, um, use your use the people around you, um, you know, especially when you're going into a new project literally like you know surround yourself with people that are friends that can be a great support system don't never be afraid to ask questions i asked so many questions you know yeah. and it's funny you talk about mountain it's funny you mentioned mountain this is perspective for me a number of years ago i during the pandemic i was hiking 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 like a maniac because i thought i was going to lose my mind at home mm -hmm. so i would do the east coast trails by myself and i hiked i think it was bottle cove out on the west coast and I climbed this mountain and I was so tired. I was crying, <laughs> climbing up to the top of this mountain. And I got up there and I was like, oh my gosh, I did this. And I started coming down the mountain. A little ways down the mountain, I see bear scat. Like oh. bear, that is steaming. There is steam coming off of it. And my my brain went, oh my God, you have just done the most amazing thing. And now you're going to get eaten by a bear. It's, this, is, this is your fate. This is your fate. And I went, there is a bear like within 10 feet of me. And I ran out the trail like five kilometers singing Motown songs at the top of my lungs. I'm like, in the mountain I was terrified. My heart, I, it's the most terrifying thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life. And if I feel scared about something, I go back to that moment and I go, oh my God, no, because I am never going to get eaten by a bear when I go on stage to sing a song. I'm never going to get eaten by a bear when I try to cook a new recipe or when I go somewhere new or I try something different. It always comes back to the eaten by a bear fear for me. What I think is really hilarious. I'm sorry. I'm laughing because I understand that would be one of the biggest fears ever for sure. Uh, but the <laughs> fact that your go-to was to sing Motown music and run. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> every, every Motown song I know I sang for five kilometers and I was just waiting for my fate to be eaten alive by a bear. The bear is like you know? dancing in the woods. He's like, right? oh, man, I ain't going to kill her. She's too cool. <laughs> oh my God. But you're right. You know, we're constantly facing mountains. We're constantly facing mountains. And I hope for everyone that they don't have bears on them. <laughs> Yeah, like, you know, that's obviously a legit fear, you know, that's like life or death. And so it's like understanding the difference between, you know, your body wants to protect you no matter what. And so when we face fear, it will go into that fight or flight mode because our body wants to protect us from dying. Yeah, literally. So it's like it, our brains can't actually remember reading this and, and learning this in therapy and stuff too. It's like your brain can't actually decipher the difference between a fear of getting up on stage versus a fear of, of, facing a near-death experience so it's going to have the same response your body is yeah. going to have the same response so it's like understanding that okay in this moment i'm not going to die <sighs> i'm protected totally. i'm safe you know i just i just got to get up there <laughs> and 
do yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know, you know, sitting at a piano, it's like the earth isn't going to open up and I'm not going to be swallowed into a, like a molten lava vacuum. Like it's not going to happen. And I'm not diminishing fear because fear is real. But is. There are so many things that we can, there's so many things that we can do um, to arm ourselves with a toolbox, you know, to be able to cope, to cope with that, with that fear. I mean, my, my go-to is breathing, 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 you know, breathing and believing in yourself, believing that people are rooting for you, knowing that the end of the fear is light and there's beauty and there's growth and there's love for yourself and, you know, for a new skill. So, you know, fear, fear can be paralyzing. It really can. It really can. And you have to, like, I mean, in my experiences where I've stepped and it's, it's the only way I can describe it. It's like stepping off the edge of a cliff. It's like, it's like rip. And I always say, I have to just rip off the bandit. Leah, just rip off the bandit. Just do the thing. Just step off the edge because it feels like your body almost feels like it's getting ready to fall. Or at least that's, again, how it presents itself for me. It's like, oh my God, I'm getting that overwhelming fear. Like I'm ready to jump off a cliff. And it's like, but you just have to jump. (laughs) You have to face all those feelings. And let me tell you, like you said, it's not easy. But once you've done it and then you see that you're not going to die and that you come out the other side, like you said, you you come away with all all the gifts. Um, So I just kind of, I want to circle back for a quick second because we are going to clue this up pretty soon. But I just want to ask you or mention one last thing to you. Um, because you mentioned something about asking the question, you know, using you utilizing uh, people around you. And so I actually want to bring up a moment in my life. And I'm going to try to do this without crying, but I may cry. Um, okay. Hi, <laughs> so when I, um, I gave up performing for about it was about 11 or 12 years where I didn't get up on a stage. I didn't I didn't perform because I was just terrified. And I just allowed my fear to be the thing to, to dictate. And I use that as my reason and my excuse not to do it anymore. I was like, you know what? I'm just not meant to perform clearly because I get such paralyzing stage fright. This isn't normal to feel like this. And I truly believe that. So back when I was like 26, 27 years old, when I made the decision, I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Even though I was at my peak where I was really starting to get out there and perform a lot in public and going downtown and all the things. Um, you know, and I think this is a real lesson too. It's like, just when you're ready to step even further ahead, you know, fear is going to come in to try and sabotage you and take you away. And I think that was a big moment in my life. And so when I'm separated from my ex and I'm starting to actually realize I'm missing this part of me. Um, I remember thinking I, I want to perform again. And I actually, I was having a conversation with a friend and I was like, I'd really love to like organize a show. You know, and I said, but who am I? Like, I, you know, and I, again, I was like, I'm a nobody. Like, I, no one knows who I am here in the city. Like, as a performer, like, I can't, you know, and she was like, why don't you just ask someone? Like, you know, Kellyanne, like, you, you don't know her well, but you know her well. And so do you remember at the moment I asked you and we did the um, March 8th uh, International Day. And you're going to so, make me, you're going to make me cry now. Yeah. So I, I know it's, it's tough because it, it was a pivotal moment in my life. Um, and I remember having that moment of fear because I didn't know you very well. I knew you through, um, uh, you know, mutual friends and different things like that. But of course, you know, and this is what we do. This is what fear does, right? We put people on pedestals, people that are successful, people that are doing the things we put them up here and we put ourselves down here and we think, you know, we can't, we can't do the thing they're doing because they've been doing it forever. And so I remember that moment. I'm like, well, 
if I don't ask the question, the answer will always be no. And that's, that's a piece of advice someone gave me a long time ago. And I remember thinking that in that moment, I was like, what's the worst that can happen? She says, no. And so I remember I messaged you and your immediate response was, hell yeah. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh my God, oh my God. She said, yes. Okay. So now, now, now it has to happen. So now the action, right, takes place. And so we met for coffee and I remember just how gracious you were and how, um easy you were to be around and i remember again just this is what we do and so again for our listeners i just want to tell you that there's nobody that's above you right there's nobody that's above you even if they're doing the things oprah winfrey tony robbins whoever they are they had to start somewhere and the thing the difference between us all is that the people that are successful are doing it scared they were scared too at one point in their lives and so i think about that moment and that show was so successful and we had such a, a resounding amount of women that performed at that show. And it I remember thinking, my God, like if I hadn't asked the question, if I had let my fear dictate this moment, I would never have had that experience. And I would never have felt when I stepped into that, it was, it was game changer for me. It really was because it opened me up and it made me see um, that I could do it. It made me feel, um confidence in myself that i hadn't felt in a really long time and so having you be a part of that experience for me really was i still have the newspaper clipping on my fridge of us in the paper um it's still on my fridge and that was march 2018 and so much has changed since then so i'm just saying this to you because i just want to thank you so much for being that special moment in my life um, and it really was a pivotal moment of me facing a huge fear and I've just been facing them and facing them and facing them and facing them, you know? And so, yeah, I really wanted to share that on the podcast in, in particular, because me and you haven't talked about it since that moment happened. And, you know, we've been in each other's presence a few more times since then, but yeah. Whew, so. Oh my, <laughs> you, you'll be crying too. <laughs> um. I'm, I, I'll never forget that show, but I mean, that was incredible and it was beautiful. And I, I want to thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this. And I think what you're doing is really brave. And I just think when you support and you surround yourself with support and with love and you take the risk, you know, you can, we can do anything scared. Let's just keep doing scary things. Exactly. Exactly that. Um, so before we end, I do have just a couple of little fun questions to ask you. <laughs> and because I am a horror movie fanatic, and maybe you're not, I, I, I'm just curious, what is your favorite scary movie, Kellyanne Evans? Okay, when I was a child, and I was being babysat by my older cousin, I was subject to the changeling when I was like, nine or 10 years old and it oh. traumatized me for life. So I don't do scary movies. Oh, I remember that movie. That was a really good movie, but yeah, very scary. It was terrifying. Yeah. I am not a scary movie gal. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, okay. So my, my last and final question, what is, I mean, I feel like I already know the answer considering you sang Motown through the woods, uh, when you thought a bear was chasing you. Um, <laughs> What is your go-to music or song to really like change your state when you're in, in down in the dumps and you're feeling like really low? What's, what's the genre or the song that really takes you out of that mood? One of my favorites of all time. And when I hear the flute flutter at the beginning, 
it just sends me and pumps me up is Peter Gabriel's sledgehammer. Ah! I am going to sledgehammer the shit out of what is in front of me. Oh that my is my jam. God. That Girl. is my jam. Girl, that <laughs> freaking song. I've played that a few times in the last couple of years in my um, dance class, my yoga dance classes. Man, when I have that on the speaker and that, and like, you like you said the flutter of the flute because you have to listen carefully yeah, you do Whoa. you do you can miss it and then when that beat drops it i feel it at the root of my being i just got goosebumps <laughs> amazing i feel you girl oh my god i'm gonna play that as soon as we get off this call well girl right? thank you so much for being here i think this was wonderful you i just i just think you're wonderful and yeah just thank you so much for being here and for uh gracing us with your presence and with your grace and with all your wonderful advice um yeah you're just a wonderful human i'm so i'm so honored to know you well thank you so much for having me and congratulations on launching this podcast i am just over the moon to be here I adore you and let's just keep being brave and, you know, doing it. Doing it scared. Doing it scared. <laughs> much love. Thank you. All right, much love. Thank you.